0: Thank you for joining us for the Rescue and Revive Sunday Morning Sermon from Spencerport Bible Church in Spencerport, New York, given by Pastor Dominic Denisi of Rescue and Revive Ministries and Senior Pastor of Spencerport Bible Church. As always, thank you for helping us rescue the lost and revive the saved with the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you and enjoy the sermon. First Peter Chapter 3, starting with verse 8, and we will look at twice the amount of scriptures, God willing, that we looked at last week. And I love these words, specifically in the, in the KJV, the King James Version, I love these words like, it begins verse 8 with finally. Well, it shouldn't be difficult to figure out that finally means, he's talking about finally, this is conclusion in the manner in which we as Christians ought to be living, it's a closing word to a thought or passage, right? So therefore, wherefore, some hinge word, this is a closing word to this thought, this passage of suffering for Christ. We know last week was about the way wives ought to conduct themselves if their spouse is not saved. And uh, we called, I called it wife-style evangelism and husbandly love. And so now this goes on in that passage. But Paul is finishing these thoughts. I'm sorry, Peter. And he says this, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So let me pause there to begin with, be all of one mind. The RSV says unity of spirit. One mind, what I have discovered, as Peter, I'm sure, is speaking experientially, is that within the body of Christ... I try to follow the instructions of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 where he is telling the Ephesians, endeavor or work hard in modern day language, work hard to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I've discovered that you actually do have to work hard for that to happen. I mentioned the concert tonight and that really is a hopefully one heart, one mind, universal church type of event. There's a difference between the universal church and the local church. There's differences. But you could be part of a local church and not be part of the universal, and that wouldn't be very good. Because you first have to be born into the family of God before you can be officially part of any local church. See, men and women can deem you as such, but unless you have the Spirit of God, unless you are born again, you are not part of the local church nor the universal church. And the Apostle Peter here, is encouraging these believers to be united in mind, to be united in spirit about who Jesus is and what He's done and what their mission is now as they walk with Him, persecuted for their faith. It says in Ephesians 4, I already alluded to it, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one spirit, one God and Father above all, An undivided local body will do great things for the Lord and His people. An undivided universal church will do even greater. Do you think at this point in time that these believers scattered abroad were arguing over the length of their tunics? Probably not. Do you think that they ever got to fisticuffs over whether or not they should sing a hymn or a spiritual song? Probably not. Why? Because there's greater causes. The cause of Christ is much greater. The gospel is a much greater cause than these minor issues, which, yes, there are some importance to them, but nowhere near the importance and the urgency for the cause of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Peter is expressing this thought to encourage them to stay together, that they would be... All of one mind, having compassion, that's love with action, an action word, one of another. Love is brethren, be tender-hearted or pitiful, be courteous. It's always nice to be courteous, caring, tender-hearted, humble. Not rendering or giving evil for evil or railing, insult for railing, but on the contrary, contrawise, blessing knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. You see, those are not natural things, because in our natural state, we will retaliate, we will seek revenge, but those things do not bring glory to God as a Christian. When you seek to revenge whatever harm has been unjustly bestowed upon you, whatever insult has been hurled to you, you cannot bring God glory in that manner. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, We're to heap coals upon the head of our enemies. And again, in the flesh, you might think, going back to this language, you might think that means, yes, we get to burn their scalp. That's not what it means. Contextually speaking, it means if you give these people coals, they can actually cook their food. You're helping them. Those that are harming you, you help. Jesus said, walk the extra mile with the person. I'm paraphrasing. Turn the other cheek. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for... the. So they persecuted the prophets which were before you, see. Going back to the song we sang, if we really think about it, surrender all, surrender all. What does all mean? Every aspect of our lives. This is what the apostle is encouraging. This is what the apostle has done. This is what the apostle Peter has done in God's timing. Before he thought he could do it, he could not do it in his human strength. But Peter Jesus said, when you're converted, go and strengthen your brethren. Now, he can strengthen his brethren because he is converted. And that's what he's doing in writing this letter, moved by God the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, for he that will love life, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, they speak no or deceit. You notice some themes throughout this letter if you've been with us every week. This being one of them, even going back to James, controlling the tongue, what we say, we can kill people with our words. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. We ought to be so careful. Even a fool is esteemed a wise man when he spares his words. Now this upcoming verses is an alluding this is, has to do with Psalm 34, verse 11. It says, Let him eschew or shun evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Psalm 34 is referenced here. For the eyes, I want you to listen very carefully if you would to this verse. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Isn't that wonderful? And his ears are open unto their prayers. That's a beautiful promise. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I'd like to call a time out. In been coaching a lot of basketball. We'll use that terminology. I'd like to just pause here for a moment. And I want you to notice what was said here in quoting Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to the prayers. That is so beautiful and wonderful. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, notice that Peter is not telling them to go up to these... Unconverted people, those that are chasing them, and say, Jesus loves you. You see? We live in the same type of era that Peter did when he penned this letter around 64, 66 AD. Christendom is new. Christendom, Christianity is persecuted. These Christians are scattered because of their faith, certainly homeless to some extent living day by day. And Peter is telling them, quoting Psalm 34, that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We need to be a compassionate, loving, tender-hearted people that stand on the Word of God, listen to or led by the Spirit of God. Did you know you can actually tell someone they are headed for destruction or hell in a loving, compassionate manner? They'll hear your heart. You see? There are many people that are on the broad way that leads to destruction. They don't need to hear Jesus loves you. And, and, and that is true in the extent of we are made in the image of God. Please don't misunderstand my heart or what I'm saying. We are made in the image of God. God does love us in the sense we are his creation made in his image. And it actually even says in the scripture that he looked upon the rich ruler with love when he rejected him says, Lazarus, oh, how he loved him. But I have a tendency to see that a lot in modern-day Christendom, that Jesus loves you outside of the couple of verses that I just referenced. Sometimes it's not what somebody needs to hear according to the word of God. You see, Jude, Jude, chapter 1, verse 22, if you don't have this verse memorized, you may want to. Jude one twenty-two says this, And some have compassion, making a difference. Yes, yeah, show them the love of God. Share with them how Jesus loves them, that God demonstrated his love for them. While they were yet a sinner, Christ died for them. For God so loved the world. Tell them about John 3, 16. Absolutely. And others, others, save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. What fire? Hellfire. Hating even the garment spotted by their flesh. I've always looked to this as such a key essential gospel verse. Prideful, unregenerate, evil people need to know that they are headed for hellfire. The love of God is wonderful, but evil people have no regard for that. They need to see their sin. They need to see that they are in direct opposition with their Creator. John three eighteen. He that believes on him is not condemned, not judged. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's John three eighteen, just a couple of verses after John three sixteen. Jesus told the Pharisees their father was the devil. He didn't say, I love you. Why? Because they were doing evil. His face was against them. The face of the father was against them. And so was Jesus. John the Baptist called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Not a complimentary word. Not a very comforting word. But a truthful, needful word. And sometimes people need to be plucked out of the fire... Jesus loves you is not what they need to hear. They need to hear that you are with war with God. And it's appointed unto men once to die and you will be judged. And God is sovereign and not only is he a lamb that laid down his life, but he's a lion that has dominion and authority over heaven and hell. And that Jesus himself said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. There's few that be there find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are going that way. I call it the few and the many principle. You see? Why is Peter referencing Psalm 34? You say, that's Old Testament. Now we're New Testament. The old and the new are linked together. Eternally, can't have one without the other. They work together. We live in the new, under the new, but we can't misunderstand the importance of the old And that's similar to the gospel. It's similar to the gospel. We have to be led by God's Spirit. We need to stand on God's Word when it comes to sharing our faith with those who know not God, which is the predominant population of this time that Peter is writing to. And who is he that will harm, verse 13, you, if you be... Followers of that which is good. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, another theme throughout First Peter about suffering for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Verse fifteen, memory verse. Really, memory verse. Some of you already have it memorized. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now I want to stop there because usually when you hear people reference this, this is what they'll say. I talked to Tom about this earlier in the week. They'll skip what I just read and they'll say, And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. They skip the first part. But you don't understand how significant that first part is. You can't skip it because you can't do the second part of that verse without the first But sanctify, set apart, reverence, make holy the Lord God in your heart, in your inner man. And if you do that, here's what will happen. You will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Set apart, be ready, in season and out. You say, well, how am I going to do that? Say, I really don't know what you're talking about. I really don't know how to do that. And some of you, I'm not saying this to convict you at all. Or condemn you, I should say. If you get convicted, that's between you and God. It's a good thing. Some of you perhaps have never shared your faith one time with anybody. And you've been a Christian for several years. My question to you would be, why? Have you sanctified the Lord God in your heart? Do people even know that you're a Christ follower? There's no such thing as an FBI program for Christians. You know that, right? There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. It Doesn't work like that. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. that we are supposed to be the light on a hill of a city that everyone can see. And what we, what we hear in secret, we ought to proclaim at the Spencerport gazebo come summer, by God's grace, because that's what's going to happen. It's time for that. It's not time. As a Christian, for us to run and hide, you say, but I just don't know. Well, let me give you a couple tips, piece of advice, things that I pass along to other people. All of you have a testimony. You all have a testimony if you know Jesus Christ. No one can take that from you. There's all testimony of how you came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what God has done in your life. So let me give you a simple acronym that I use when I teach this certain course called Proclamation and Conversation Evangelism course. Let me, let me give you this acronym, BEGGAR. B-E-G-R. You should be able to share your testimony in two minutes less with anybody. Why? Because we live in a TikTok generation. They're not going to listen for 20 minutes. You have two minutes to share your testimony. And how can you do it? Beggar. Before Christ. Tell them quickly who you were. Who you were, what you did. E. Encounter with Christ. What was your personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Was it a sinner's prayer that was sincere and converted you? Was it some situation you had with a family member where all of a sudden, boom, God just revealed himself to you? What was your encounter with Christ? Gee, the gospel. Give the gospel message, the death, the burial, and resurrection. Don't just say Jesus loves you. Give them the gospel message. Tell them how Jesus suffered and died, and then he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's 1 Corinthians 15.3, by the way. And then R is the result. You're going to get a result. Do you know where I got this model from? I extracted this from Acts chapter 26. When I was studying Acts chapter 26, this is Paul's defense to King Agrippa. And I saw this acronym in here, B-E-G-R. The result was this. After Paul shared so meekly and with fear of the Lord his testimony to King Agrippa about who he was and his encounter with Christ and then he so eloquently shared the gospel, the result was this. King Agrippa said to him, Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. How did that happen? The sharing of the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel. His personal testimony. And the result is completely up to God. But you've got to sanctify the Lord God in your heart to do it. Because you won't without that. You see, you don't live in a Christian state You don't live in a Christian city, you don't live in a Christian country, and that's just the truth. And these people, in Peter's day, were in a similar boat, much hotter. But let me ask you a question. Do you think, all of a sudden, and maybe it will, I'd be ecstatic if it did, but do you really think, by the signs of the times, that all of a sudden, there is going to be a massive Revival in Rochester, the United States. I mean, everywhere. And everybody all of a sudden is going to be attending church on Sunday mornings, reading their Bible on a regular basis, loving one another. Do you think so? If you do, I do too. I hope, but I don't see that. According to the Word of God that I read. According to the people that I see every day. According to the state of the church. I don't see that. And I'm just telling you the truth. So we live in an era that is similar the Apostle Peter's, what he's exhorting and instructing and encouraging these believers to do. Key components of the gospel, sin. What does sin mean? If I asked you a definition of sin, would you be able to give it? It means missing the mark by definition. It's an archery term. Do you think people know what sin means? They have no idea. You need to explain that to them. How about repentance? Do you know what repentance means? By definition, it means a change of mind. You need to explain that. To people, Christians don't understand what these words mean. How do you expect a lost and dying generation to understand them? Confession means to agree with. These are things we need to know. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask you a question. If we were to, if you were to evaluate where you are in terms of loving the Lord your God with your mind, in terms of being to share the gospel in a simple yet profound way and effective manner, if you were to really evaluate yourself on how well you know the word of God, and if indeed you are a disciple of his word, would it be elementary school, junior high, high school, junior college, postgraduate? Where would you fall into that class? Quite honestly. Because it's our job. And I am not, as you've probably figured out, a theologian. But I love God's Word, and I've studied God's Word, and I read God's Word, and I meditate on God's Word, and I speak God's Word, and you could do the same. You don't have to be a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a Bible teacher. You don't have to be, you just have to be a Christian. It's all you have to be. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your mind your soul, and your strength. And all these things will happen. We should be excited about the generation we live in. Everybody's depressed and discouraged. You should be excited about the opportunities we have. You know, don't think for a moment that I don't get butterflies and heart beating faster and everything else when those opportunities come. I was, went to the barbecue place down the road. Taste of Texas. It's a good spot, by the way. You've been there? It's a good spot, Okay. And I was thinking as I went up, because I'm trying to, hey, I'm, hello, I'm Pastor, I'm Pastor Dominic down the road, just trying to build some bridges, right? Not going in like John the Baptist. I didn't stand up and preach and tell him to repent. But as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, that gazebo right across the way. What's it going to be like when they, they hear the gospel coming through the halls of the town of Spencerport? What's going to happen? Are they going to get mad? I mean, is this going to be bad? So what? This is what God told us to do. This is what Peter is telling these Christians to do. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Why, Peter? So that you will be ready to give an answer to that Jewish person that comes to you and says, Why are you so different now? Tell me about this Christ. There's life in you and there's no life in me. That's why. You're ready in season and out, inconveniently and conveniently unexpectedly and expectedly. See, Sunday mornings, I'm expected to be here. I'm going to prepare everything. But you could walk outside, go into the store, and there's an opportunity sitting right before you. And I pray you capitalize on it. I pray you capitalize on an opportunity to give that person or that group of people, give them a reason for hope to answer with meekness and fear. Not proudly. Or he doesn't say don't answer with pride. That, that's opposite of Christ. You do it as a humble servant of God and people hear your heart. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about heaven or hell or repentance or Satan. If you're saying it with a heart of compassion and meekness, the people you're saying it to will hear that in you as opposed to if you're saying it pridefully as if you're better than them. Only by God's grace are you saved, my friend. So he goes on. Says having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, Christian, they may be ashamed, that falsely accuse your good conversation, that means conduct, your good conduct in Christ. There should be an expectation to suffer as a Christian in this life, in this world. Suffering for doing what is right should be an expectation of every Christian, yet we're surprised by it. It should be expected because Christ suffered, because Peter suffered for doing right. And when he was insulted, he did not insult back. Like a sheep led to the slaughter as an example for us. False accusations should be expected. Lies about you should be expected. Persecution should be expected. It's actually a fingerprint or confirmation that you're walking with God in his will. To me, when those things happen, they actually affirm my faith. I'm encouraged by them. Not originally, not originally. Not at first, perhaps, if I could just step back for a moment. But when you stop and you ponder and you look at God's word, and if you know you've done what's right and you're still being treated unjustly, you should rejoice in that. You shouldn't be trying to defend yourself all the time because God receives no glory in that. That's not his pattern. That's not what he instructed us to do. Verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well than for doing evil. Why? Because that's how God receives the glory. That's how you open up an opportunity to share the, the hope that lies within you. And you can only do it if you sanctified the Lord God in your heart. Now, this next last passage, these last five verses, I'm going to tell you are a little bit of a spiritual speed bump. Okay? Because we could go off into a whole nother rabbit trail if we wanted to, and I do not have the time, being 10 to noon, to go off into a theological bunny trail. However, thank God for Tom. I've already said, Tom, they want to get deeper. Talk to Tom after service, okay? Because these are passages that people have disputed in specifically one verse for many, many years. So I will give you the fo- the foundational baseline of it. I will say what is there. I will not say what's not there. So here's here it goes. Verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God Being put to death in the flesh, that's the crucifixion, but quickened by the Spirit, resurrection. Here's the verse, be careful, by which also he went, Jesus, and preached, proclaimed. What did he preach? Could have been preached condemnation, judgment to these people, the gospel perhaps. Who did he preach to? Not people unto the spirits. Yes, preached unto the spirits. They are not people in prison. Fulake. A place of custody, not punishment. That's what this prison is. It was not hell. Which sometime were disobedient. These were on the people at the time of Noah. Genesis chapter 6 through 8. Which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God, and He is long-suffering, waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, there it is again, few principle, that is, eight souls were saved by water. I told you the you saw the sermon title, Water. Water is wonderful. We need it. We're made up mostly of water, are we not? Jesus said, if you believe in him, fountains of living water will come out of your belly. Wonderful. This is Pastor Dominic Nisi of Rescue and Five Ministries, and I'm also now the Senior Pastor of Spenceport Bible Church, located at 1948 North Union Street in the village of Spenceport. I want to personally invite you to come on out and join us at 10.45 a.m. for our Sunday morning service. Spenceport Bible Church is family friendly. All are invited. We hope to see you there. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rescue and Revive Gospel Show today. Please pray for us as we seek to rescue the lost and revive the saved with the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. Please visit our website at rescueandrevive.org to find out how you can get involved and support Rescue and Revive Ministries. God bless you. And trust Him in His presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all